Hi, everyone. Welcome to a, another podcast with Revelation Wellness, and my name is Elisa Keaton. And today is not a Facebook Live recording. I prayed about it, and I really felt like I was just supposed to sit in a room quietly with a microphone and give God great glory through my part of my own testimony. As you know, we've been doing this series now for some time um, on gut health. And as I said and have said, I there's a lot of things we can do and talk about. And you know, you could probably right now just Google gut health and you'll find out a lot of things you can or cannot do or you know, start applying some things. But I just, we're gonna get there. I wanna steward your heart really well. Um, because I know it's a noisy time that we live in and I know how quick we are to throw on a yoke of work or responsibility. So we've been spending all this time really getting after the deeper part of our being, what's really going on. And thank you for taking the leap of faith into the mystery of us being souls with bodies. And we have all these things that have come inside of us um, all these wants, desires, and yes, needs too. We all have a story and we're all sensory, <laughs> sensory input happens at a very young age. I feel like the Lord's just calling us back to a time of reconciliation to Him, redemption, a cleansing, a washing of us so that we would be healthy, whole, and free that we wouldn't be stuck on the mat. And so to know me is to know I'm, I'm gonna train. <laughs> if it's my last breath, I will use whatever body part I have, if it's just my mouth, to exercise this faith I've been given. He saved me from so much. I might cry today as I share the part of my testimony that has to do with, with what was in my gut and what <laughs> what God has been healing layers and layers of this, these deep places in me. I think we could all agree that the gut is like this deep, kind of dark, maybe ugly place. <laughs> you know, other body parts are kind of cool. The heart's pretty cool. The chambers, how it pumps, it's, it's, it's vascular. It's like muscular in ways that, that it contracts and expands the lungs and how they they give us some you know air and the way it filters it's just the way the, the design of the many parts of our body are, are so cool and of course it's it's interesting how all the major organs are in one place literally the core of who we are it's from the collarbone to the pelvic floor that's why you know my husband's a police officer and they they if you're going to shoot to kill go for the chest Go for the middle place. Go where you could do damage, where there would be major bleed out. I feel like the enemy of our souls has done this our whole life. He aims for the heart. He aims for the lungs, the breath, the, the gut, the bowels of who we are, and of course the head, the brain. But our bowels are this kind of, this. it's kind of not sexy or pretty or, uh, it's pretty messy and ugly, but yet it does good work. The point of our gut is to 
take in what we put in as food, as energy, as input, what, whatever we consume, that our body can then break it down. And in our guts, it's kind of the darkest place, but yet the place of transformation. It takes what was solid and breaks it into something that's now useful. Um, fats, carbohydrates, protein. And it's just so part of God's unique design. But I am convinced, and the Lord's convincing me, that our this gut place and this there's a lot about gut health now but there's more going on there than what meets the eye there's more than than google will probably tell us that it's where we hold it's where emotions that's why you get a feeling in your gut as i've said in the other podcast it's a brain we have our brain in the main brain and then the second brain so our our heads and our guts are talking to one another. And so there's things stored up in us that don't belong there. The stomach, actually the word itself means, um, as it's used of Paul in Philippians 3, 17 through 21, when he says that their God is their stomach, like they're people that um, are focused on their own instead of God himself. But when the God is our stomach, that stomach is, it actually means to be hollow. It's our place of hollowness. It's the place, it's, it's a vulnerable place. So God created us with the beauty and the vulnerability of free choice, free will. It's a beautiful thing and it's a vulnerable thing. It makes us vulnerable to things that might seem like we can meet a need. And that's the definition of sin, is meeting a legitimate need in illegitimate ways. That's just sin. It's happening all the time. And so free will, not tied to God, because anything that does not proceed from faith is sin, as we're told in Romans. That hollow place where I need the discernment of God the truth of God, otherwise I will just cram into the, the belly of my being a moment of satisfaction, a moment to meet my flesh desire, to meet a lie or a vulnerability in me. And these things fill up in our belly. When God made us, He left a hole in us, a vulnerability, something we call free will. We are born free, free to do as we choose or as God says. So we fill that hollow place either with God, more of who he is, or we fill it with things of the world, things of our flesh, things of our hurts, our pains, or our brokenness. And we're also, I think we can all agree, there's just stuff in us. There's just stuff in us. So before this podcast I'm releasing, right before I go into kind of the big podcast where we actually talk I'm not going to be the expert. I'm going to bring an expert in where we talk more about gut health and things that we can do and, you know, get to the practical side of it, really good, godly information. Um, but first I want to share my own story and how I know that I have fed my hollowness, the place where I was left with a vulnerability, with things that eventually backfired and caused my own pain. So from the youngest of age for me, I think one of the good things to know is your vulnerability. What is your vulnerability? In other words, what's, what's the lie? What tends to come for you often? 
And for me, I can remember all the way back, age five years old or so, being in my bedroom and having an overwhelming sense of being alone. Don't know where it came from. I just, a real sense of you're alone. The thought that came into my head, that even though I was surrounded by a family, either they were inaccessible and hear me, our home was dysfunctional. My parents were um, broken people um, doing the very best they could. But addiction, codependency, um, hmm, was a lot of what I saw growing up. So it was a perfect place for the enemy to plant a lie in a five-year-old of you're alone. So that's my vulnerability. And in that alone place or that, that hole of the vulnerability, which had I known and was raised more in an understanding of God, maybe I would have filled that with more God's truth, but I didn't have that at the time. So I filled it with my needs of what I needed or what I wanted. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to know I was safe. I wanted to know it would be okay. I wanted to know that I was special, that I was seen, that I was heard, that I was maybe the object of someone's eye or affection. I think we could all agree, like even the best person on the world will never give you what God gives you, but it was a setup in my life to have this hole in me, a vulnerability that God was going to use for His glory. I just didn't know it at five years old. So fast forward through my life of being alone means you're going to figure you're going to be loved. One way or another, you're going to be loved. If you feel alone, then you're looking for companionship. You're looking for friendship. You're looking for intimacy. Of course, as I got into my preteens, it was no longer just friendship. It was the, the romance of a boy or the romance of relationship. And I was a serial dater, everybody. And I began that road of trying to figure out love. I was convinced I would figure it out. I was convinced I wouldn't do it like my parents. I was convinced. And so I fed myself with whatever needed to be to try and strengthen me for that vulnerability. So beauty, my body, I used fitness, I uh, friendships, positioning, that whole ang anxious place of do I matter? What do I need to do to fit in? What do I need to do to be loved? So that went into my young adulthood. And as I said, romance was kind of the apex of what I thought, that if you could achieve romance and maybe money, I feel in this culture now, we've made romance and money the apex. And that's not the apex of the gospel. It's not even the apex of what Jesus would proclaim. Like marriage and money is not the highest pursuit of our heart, but we've made it that. And I made it that as a young woman. But mostly marriage, mostly relationship that was going to last and be good to me and fill my vulnerability. So I married a man who is a good man, but he does not, he did not know God. I knew God, he didn't know God. And the story began. And I can remember being married and still feeling alone. It's crazy. Like, wait, I thought marriage was going to complete me. I thought I have the one. I had the wedding. I had the moment. I had the dress. I had 
that fleeting thing, that thing was there for a night and then it was gone. Then there's this utter sense of what have I done? <laughs> Wait a minute. Or what's he doing wrong? This must be his fault. And I began the heavy yoke on my husband to try and complete me and fix me and fill me, filling the hollowness of me, expecting him to fill my belly, that I'd be comforted, that I'd be satisfied. And I'll tell you what, oh, painful. Let the pain begin. Let the tears roll. <laughs> so for years and years, well, Jesus entered very early on in my marriage because I was so broken, like so good on the surface, everything looked good, but inside, just what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What am I missing? What is going on? I almost killed our marriage. I was almost, we were almost divorced by year one because I was trying to make my husband my savior and he's not my savior. Now hear me, we all have things to work on in marriage, but I was expecting way too much of him and I knew, it was at that point that I knew there's something in me that God wants to do. There's something with God. So I began my faith walk. I went back to Christ. I was a believer since 13, but I didn't really, I was just nominal by name. And about a year after being married, a year and a half, I just felt the call to go to church. And I went alone, which was the scariest thing ever because I didn't want to go alone. I wanted my husband to go with me. I wanted to have companionship. But I went alone. Hmm. I can't help but I just hear the Holy Spirit saying to me, the Lord saying, because you took that first step, Elisa, 19 years ago, and you came to me alone, which was scary. I just remember being so scared to go to church by myself. But because I took that very first little step across the threshold, the Lord is blessing me today. It was the beginning of momentum. It was the beginning of the momentum into faith. And we all come alone in faith. I don't know if you know that. We don't really like that, but it's not a package deal. It's a one-on-one -on -one thing. I'm not my husband's Holy Spirit. So we all go alone, but it was like the most paralyzing thing. So any women out there that are listening to this podcast that are going alone to church, be encouraged. And I really believe because you're here and listening and perhaps sitting under this teaching and what God's done, He's going to do it fast and furiously through you. Believe. You won't have to walk as hard and as long as I've walked, especially if you're willing to listen to these words that our husbands or whoever or whatever, our bodies, whatever the thing we think will fill our bellies and fill our hollowness, it won't. And when we can turn away from that, and begin to seek first the kingdom and get after the Lord, we will be satisfied. So I began growing in faith, but my husband didn't. Long story short, just to get to the, the gut place, um, 
For a short while, my husband believed, and then he stopped believing. So I married an agnostic, someone who was like, maybe, maybe not, there's a God, but he wasn't against it, which was okay enough for me. <laughs> he wasn't against me having faith. To a man who was for having faith, and then quickly fell away, like the parable of the seeds. The seed was snatched. And then began the pain of not having my husband with me as I was growing in faith. And so as I grew in faith, I was growing in sadness of not having what I thought God was going to give me. I thought God was a genie, and if I rubbed him hard enough on his belly, he'd fill my belly. <laughs> it's interesting that we rub bellies, right? To be satisfied. But that didn't happen, and my husband slowly became an atheist. As he became an atheist darker and darker, I kept growing brighter and brighter in the Lord. And I'm going to just say it now, I also grew more and more religious in the Lord. I was so hard, my heart was so hard because my heart was so hurt. I was mad at God that he would bring me a husband for a short while who believed in God and then take him away. I was angry. Uh, I was storing up so much. The, the, the war began then inside of me. I was growing in the Lord but losing everything. It felt like I was losing everything. It felt like God wasn't making this easy for me in any way. I was stressed. I was striving. I was hard-hearted. I was hurt. The one person that I thought loved me didn't seem to be loving me. And by this time, to be clear, the enemy was using my husband in huge ways because I was heard the call to this ministry. I heard my call of what I was supposed to do. And at that point, my husband was against it. <laughs> he was very concerned what others would think. And it did not look good. And all this time of being rejected by my husband and feeling alone in my faith, feeling alone in my call, but still know that I'm called to marriage. I stayed faithful, but my body was storing up so much fear, storing up so much anger, storing up so much hurt. My father didn't love me. My husband wasn't choosing me. It was exhausting. So I have a prompt here. <laughs> feel prompted to say this. Any women that are single and listening to me, please, you know, wait for a man who is, loves the Lord, who loves the Lord more than you. Don't compromise. Don't negotiate it. I only say that because I do not want you to walk what I've walked. He could be the best man in the world which is my husband, by the way. He's a great man. He's a good man. He's an upright man. He's an integrous man. He's a good man, but he did not know God. So if he does not know God, he's not from God. Say no. Kindly, but say no. And wait. I promise you, it's not worth it. Companionship is not worth the freedom to worship God in fullness. And that's what happened during this time as my 
husband wasn't a believer and was very hostile to God. I was growing in God and the ministry was taking root and the seeds were happening and things were happening, but my heart was so hard and I was working so hard. I think I was trying to prove something to him, to everyone, uh, even to God, but I was so hurt. So I take you to this point of my gut health. I can remember there was a particular day couple things were pointing to something's not right. I can remember going for runs. This was probably at this point, maybe eight years into marriage or so. I'd go for a run and I couldn't hold it in. (laughs) I would literally have to find alleyways to go to the bathroom. Sorry, I'm keeping it real. Just if you come here, you get the real me. And I would have to go to the bathroom, like, uncontrolled, like, and not just number one. So I'd always have to run with toilet paper. And I thought it was just from running. I didn't know. I kind of didn't pay that much attention to it. But then beyond that, I started noticing I had a lot of gas. (laughs) And I would think, oh, and I ate healthy, everyone. So I thought, it's just from all the vegetables, all the fiber. There was gas happening. Um, some bloating. I do remember a couple more cues where things, something was going on in my belly. I remember um, I taught, I was teaching spin, spin class. And again, my life was anxious. My husband, I just wanted my husband. I wanted him to affirm me and love me and say all the things he needed to say. And he didn't, he's tolerating me. It was just really, we did not have covenant. We had business. We just did business together. We had kids, so there was no way we were going to divorce. You know, you just keep going through all the right motions. And by God's grace, neither one of us had an affair. By God's grace, neither one of us did anything outside of, you know, God's covenant agreement. But we weren't loved. We weren't kind to each other. We weren't in love. We weren't connected. And all I wanted was to be loved. Remember that. So it was getting worse and worse. And I had expectancy on God that he would turn my husband to love me. Look at all these things I'm doing. Look at how much I'm loving you, God. And I can remember teaching a spin class one day. And I remember just, if any of you ever take spin, you know, you kind of, you, you're bent over a little bit as you reach the handlebars. And I can remember teaching spin. And my bike seatings didn't change at all. Like, you know how to set up your bike. I can remember as I was biking, like my knees were just grazing my stomach, which just told me I was bloated. And I tended, and then from that point on, I was always a little more bloated. I noticed the bloating. Then one Thanksgiving morning, it had to have been in about 2008 or 2009, and this was again in, gosh, in a really dark season. I didn't know if our marriage was going to make it. I sure as heck thought. My kids, I thought my kids, I wanted my kids to see love and connection. And I just thought, what, God, what are you doing? Any of my friends listening to this who've walked through me with, walked with me through this season, bless you. Thank you. You prayed. We prayed. We'd walk through my house and pray. And we just prayed. And I cried in more women's breasts in my church than ever. (laughs) I just cried and cried. And Isaiah 54 was, haunted me. A woman, of a desolate woman, a woman whose husband rejects her. Many blessings to that woman. And I just kept going. But one Thanksgiving morning, I got up out of bed, and as I took a few steps towards the bathroom, I 
bent over in pain, extreme pain. Like I couldn't, I thought I was gonna die. I thought I was gonna die. It was so bad. I, to this day, I don't think I've ever been in pain like that, even more than labor. Maybe because I had an epidural, but either way. And I screamed. My husband came. I was crying. I couldn't move. I didn't know what was going on. Went and saw a gastroenterologist, gastroenterologist. Sorry, I can't remember. People that look at your gut. And it's such a crazy science. It's one of those elusive things. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. So for any of you, like, they just don't know. They just don't know. And I had the endoscopy done. I had all the testing done. There was nothing to say anything. But it was for the amount of pain that I had in that moment, I'm like, there is something big going on. This is not nothing. Your body just doesn't do that for nothing's sake. There's something going on. From that time... It was shortly after that that um, I felt called into a fast. I honestly didn't know if our marriage was going to make it. My husband at this point was wanting, we were just, it was, we were on a thin line, a thread of whether or not we would make it. I just kept waiting on God. But eventually, I felt called to a fast. It was like one of those where you know God saying nothing will satisfy. few months later, say our marriage did break. It did come to a breaking point. But God is good, redemptive. And I knew either he was going to redeem it, restore it, or if my husband's heart didn't turn towards love and kindness, that it would be over. Well, by God's grace and God's grace alone, and many of prayers, thousands of prayers, and tears that I cried that I know God has stored up in bottles, a factory of bottles of all the tears that I've cried, the prayers that I've spoken, it turned. And slowly but surely, our marriage was restored. Slow and sure, I mean, there's so much inside out of that story, but what I wanted to say to that the end is the fact that although our marriage began to restore and we began to walk back through restoration and forgiveness and um, I can tell you end of the story today my husband is a believer my husband is a completely changed man completely I'm a completely changed woman most days we look at each other and we're like who are you what happened to you <laughs> we walked through a battle and we managed to make it out hand, hand in hand. Although, some points I don't, I I know we weren't holding hands. It was Jesus holding one of mine and the other of Jesus holding his. I know that. But now, there was redemption, reconciliation. But all that being said, my gut was still an issue. Still, through the process of walking through forgiveness, which is why I talked that that podcast for forgiveness, it wasn't until I began to reconcile forgiveness at the deepest places of me, forgiving my husband for the years of pain, forgiving my, my father for the years of pain, but I really feel this goes back to my poor husband is the first to receive my brokenness because 
that's just what I do. Where I've always said, and as I'm teaching in this culture of Revelation Wellness, when I have a problem with someone else, I have a problem within me. There's something in me. And it's a privilege for God to allow us to feel whatever it is we feel, that we can turn and be healed. So the process of forgiveness and walking that out slowly but surely, noticing my stools were not doing well. I'm not doing well. There's blood in my stools. Again, this has been a long process, so know this. It wasn't like one and done. It's a place where God continues to get my attention. But as I began a process of healing and seeking some help and prayer, and you're going to meet my friend Jana, who's going to come into this next podcast, um, God showed me so much about what I was really holding on to, the bitterness that I had towards God, the bitterness towards my husband with all these years, even though we're reconciled, we're, he's for me, I'm for him. My crazy was still coming up. Years and years of crazy. Now, hear me when I say, yes, I changed some things about paying attention. So I'm just going to let y'all know as we're heading towards the practical things with gut health, yes, fasting is a part of it. <laughs> It is, but here's what it's not. I'm just convinced it's not forever. I'm convinced of that because I feel the Lord wants to heal. He wants to heal our guts. He wants to heal our food intolerances. Not so that we can, it's like healing somebody for lung cancer who's been smoking cigarettes, giving them a new lung and then you go out and continue to smoke cigarettes. We don't get to do that. He will heal us of all our infirmities, but he always says, now go and sin no more. Anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. Anything that does not proceed from goodness and kindness and love is sin. So as He heals us, as you, we move into some practical things to be doing to heal our guts, heal the for, unforgiveness, heal the per, to release the person that did something to us or didn't do what they should have done, the needs that didn't get met or the needs that got met in illegitimate ways, things that were done to us that shouldn't have been done, how God's going to heal that as we fast from our ways for His way. That's the definition of a true fast, is to, re to release the yokes of oppression on us, not to offer ourselves, look how holy I am, God. It's a desperate cry to say, God, I am bound up. <laughs> I'm bound up in my gut. I'm bound up in my, the bowels of my being. I am hollow and I have fed myself things that have congested me, that have inflamed me. And now God, turn, have mercy on me and heal me. Again, whether this is your gut, whatever it is, and maybe some of you have no gut health issues whatsoever, praise God, Jesus, thank you, amen. But I know this, if you're not careful, you will collect this weight and you will store it up in your gut. You will store it up in the belly place in the, and you will, without the Lord's provision, make your God, your stomach, navel gazing, looking at the six pack abs, pinching the fat, making it about something that it's not. To be well, to live free and to live whole, that's what we do so that our bodies have the ability to express the gospel, that our muscles of our mouth, the vocal cords, my feet walk in accordance with God's will and ways, that my days, although numbered, are full. This is where he's heading us toward. As we fast, we release ourselves. We say, 
I'm, I'm done with me, more of you, God. And we turn ourselves away from the enticing things of the world. And I know this is not getting easy because there's plenty of yummy things in the world that could turn your affections and say, try this, try that. Get quick results this way. And some of you are going to be healed in a moment. And some of you, the rest, not even so. It's the moment <laughs> or the momentum of a process. That's it. But we're all getting healed. Nobody's left out. Not one. So if you're even thinking, this isn't going to happen for me, get back to the table, the banquet table. You've pushed yourself out and said, I'm an orphan. I don't belong here. That's not true. There's plenty to go around. Some of us will receive healing in a moment because it's by faith. And some of us will get some momentum as we walk out of the prison that we're in. Because everything is permissible for me, but not everything's beneficial. Everything is permissible for me. So I can be upset with my husband, that's permissible. But what's not beneficial is to store up that offense. Everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Everything's permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. Health at the deepest, darkest places of our bowels, God. Release us. Let me pray. So, Father God, I just thank you for... Um, <laughs> honesty, transparency, vulnerability, courage to be here. People that are listening, God, and I know there's many right now who feel pretty broken, <laughs> but in a good way. They feel found out. And now, God, I release your joy among your people, that you're healing, that you are multiplying blood cells, white blood cells, and red blood cells, and platelets, and you're bringing fresh blood into the bodies of your people that will assimilate and sweep out what doesn't belong, God. Thank you that we don't have to go on a scavenger hunt, God. You see it all, and we give you access to every nook and cranny of our being. Help us, Lord, to take every offense, every root of bitterness, God, the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity that's in us and pull it up. Pull it up now in Jesus' name. Everyone take a deep breath. Inhale big. And inhale so much that your belly expands. Expand it and then exhale and push. Thank God. We continue to breathe like that. God, we're just releasing. <laughs> we're just losing massive weight right now as we're releasing out of us all the hurt all the resentment, all the defense, all the weight, all the walls of protection, God. And we say, heal us and we'll be healed. The places that our body have sent the messages, the foods that we have just built up an intolerance to, God, come now and wipe it clean. Holy Spirit, I pray for those people, and there will be some I know that could not eat something and that tomorrow they will hear the prompting of the Spirit to say, eat it, <laughs> for you are well and free. 
And God, for those that are called into a response after the next podcast of fasting time, is something there to do, God, to put away the comforts of this world, the enticements of their tongue, God, that they would surrender that with a glad heart in Jesus' name. And that this will be an easy season, that this is not a hard season. This will be a joy to do, a certainty that you are in charge and you will turn all things for good. Every sacrifice that we make, God, is a sweet blessing and aroma to you, God, and it is our get-to. I release the spirit of sonship and daughter that knowing of who they are and who you are makes every choice so easy. God, show us the authority of Jesus' name. Command guts to get whole. Divine health into your people divine health on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.